on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. The Sooners continue to make it interesting. We recap OU's win over Kansas State in the National College Football Roundup. We recap the other big games in week five of college football, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 4th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack, match roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Teddy, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a little surprised you showed up. I was worried Brady is back playing <laughs> the Patriots. I was like, there's about, there's a 10% chance Teddy shows up for this episode. Hey, thank God for DVR, right? Thank God for DVR. You're not missing much. Torrential downpour, a lot of rain so far, not much offense. At least we dodged the rain on Saturday. I was worried we were going to get a downpour, but ended up being a perfect day for a football game. Weather was perfect. Oklahoma's defense was not. (laughs) Wait, before before we get into the OU game, congratulations to everyone that participated in the Oklahoma City Marathon. It's a special event in the state. My mom ran the half marathon. That away, mom, proud of you. The uh, the woman that won now I don't know if her name is Lane or Laney. It's L A Y N E. You would think it'd just be Lane, but her last name is Hammer Lane. Hammer. <laughs> and she before she finished, she was probably a couple hundred yards from the finish line. Stopped, puked, rallied, went and finished and won. I was like, that's how it's done. Whoa! How about that? It was pretty great. She had a, a comfortable enough lead lead to uh, just stop and. Uh... Give it up and then go ahead and finish. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty That's sweet. That's awesome. And are that you was... still maintaining your have not been at a jog or run speed since retirement? I you you know when you watch a sporting event, you know when you watch golf and you're like, man, I want to go play golf. Or like if if I'm watching an NFL game, I'm like, man, 
Could I still be playing? Could I held on? You know, ah, miss it. I, when I watch people run, I do not get that sensation at all. I'm not like, you know what? It's a good reminder watching the girl uh, throw up. That's like this. That's exactly it. That's why I don't do it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect reminder. Okay. All right. Do you want to start with all the weird stuff that happened in this game? Or do you just want to go defense first? Or do you just want to kind of look at it as a whole? Uh, we can, we can look at it as a whole or we can talk weird stuff. I'm, I'm fine with anything. Let's just do defense. I'm sure we'll, the, the weird stuff will come up. Like, we'll we'll mention the double kick and that was, that's the longest review in the history of college football. I'm convinced, right. but yeah. So there were some things that, you know, kind of worked in OU's favor in this game and it still somehow was close defensively, Ted. I would describe Alex Grinch's mood after the game as simmering, like like he wasn't quite to a boil, but simmering with anger. Mm -hmm. And I think I understand why, but I will say this, and we talked about it on the broadcast, K-State from a personnel and formational standpoint, shifts, motions, they threw a ton at Oklahoma, had some trouble getting lined up at times, Ted. I always defer to you on how the defense played. What'd you think? Well, the biggest problem we had was tackling. Tackling was the biggest issue. Um, we, you know, we made some mistakes and we'll get to those, but the, the biggest thing is tackling now. Deuce Vaughn is, he's great at making people miss. Great. But, you know, it's, it's not going to be the, the, the last time we play someone that can make you miss in space. Um, he was breaking guys down. He put Deshaun White down to just went to a knee one time. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. It, it really is. But that's whenever you have to trust your teammates. You know, whenever we're in a third and long situation and we're playing zone, the coach is calling zone for a reason. He's he's doing it to to mitigate the one-on-ones where you don't have to cover one-on-one, you don't have to tackle one-on-one. We sit back in the zone. They throw it underneath. We come up as a group with leverage on the ball carrier, use our teammates, use the sideline, and make a tackle. Um too many times we we didn't trust that our teammates were going to be there, so we started breaking down way too early, and that's exactly what he wants. Whenever he gives you a little shake, he's trying to get you to stop your feet to where he can run around you, and it was just way too much of that, way too many missed tackles. Um, Bijan Robinson coming up this week, he's an outstanding running back. He doesn't have the shake in the open field of Deuce Vaughn, but – He's got moves, and then he's a hell of a lot bigger and is going to be coming downhill at you. So it's something that we got to work on. If, if we want to be a top 10 type of defense, we have to become excellent tacklers, not just one-on-one tacklers, but tacklers as a team. So I would say that was my biggest frustration was all the missed tackles. You're right. Deuce Vaughn is ridiculous, but... It, it it really is starting to feel 
like they're having some trouble just getting off the field, right? And that's something that up to this point, I think going in this game, weren't they number one in third down defense in the Big 12? Yeah, they've been they've been really good. The weird thing is it's the third and longs that they've struggled with, and that's usually where you should be best, but that's where we've struggled. And usually we accomplish the task of, you know, forcing the offense to throw it underneath. It's the coming up and tackling and getting the ball carrier down where we struggle. So K-State was 8 of 15 on third down and 4 of 5 on fourth. And the one they didn't get was a review that was very close. It, it looked like he caught it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he had the ball. The ground like moved it, but the rule is that the ground can move it if you are in control of the ball. So it was, it was, it was close. Um, I'm not. I thought it was incomplete. I just yeah, yeah. Not shocked that they they overturned it, but it was very close. Okay, so coming into the game, if you would have told me that Kansas State was going to rush for a hundred yards, and that Skylar Thompson was going to throw the football, drop back and throw the football 41 times, I would have said that OU wins by at least three touchdowns. Was do you do you think it caught him off guard because it? I mean, they were getting an empty man, like they were doing some things that you're you're expecting Kansas State to get in these certain formations, run the football, a big component of QB run, and all of a sudden, I mean, they were just drop back passing, and for whatever reason, they could not disrupt Skylar Thompson's rhythm. They couldn't get to him, man. Nope. Usually, uh, an offense has a big playbook, and you go into a certain week, and you know maybe maybe sixty percent of the playbook is stuff that you feel good that week with, and you feel like it attacks their defense how you want it to. Um, so then you pare it down to about sixty percent, and then maybe you create a couple of things that are new. But it looked to me like Kansas State. Not only did they throw their full 100% of their playbook at us, they like created stuff as well. Like they know they knew that they've given us trouble over the past two years by personnel groupings and formations. So it's like they held all this stuff back and said, when we play Oklahoma, we're just gonna we're gonna throw a different personnel grouping at them every snap. Now um, we should be able to absorb that. The biggest problem I think was, and you mentioned. Skylar Thompson throw him 41 times. We did not get to him enough. Not only did we not get to him enough, like as far as sacks, great negative yardage plays, like we didn't even have pressure on a guy that was hobbled and noticeably hobbled. We didn't make it nearly uncomfortable enough for him in the pocket, which is strange because early in the game, we were getting there in a hurry. Nick Benito was winning. Um, but as the game wore on, it became less and less effective. You know, I think the offensive line probably got used to our twists and stunts and stuff, but not nearly enough pressure for as good as I believe our D-line to be, it wasn't good enough. Now, I uh, sometimes I just look at the ESPN app 
you know, they kind of chart all those things, those defensive stats. Now, I don't think those are the official stats, but Skylar Thompson on one leg, and it was clear he could not move. Like, he wasn't leaving the pocket. He wasn't going to do it. On one leg, threw 41 times, was sacked once, and according to the ESPN app stats, OU had one quarterback hurry. LaRon Stokes. Yep. Not good enough. It's not good enough. And, you know, we've talked about some of the stuff we do. Our defense twists and stunts almost every single snap. And, you know, it, it's, it's built into their system. It's what they do. But, you know, there's a lot of times where I wish that we would just turn those guys loose on third down and let them rush. Um, you know, if it turns into a natural, uh, natural twist or stunt, no problem. If I look over to my buddy and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try and beat this tackle inside and you want to cover me. That stuff is fine. But called twists and stunts every single snap. I, after a while, 41 dropbacks, that's a lot of reps for the offensive line to kind of get used to it. Right. And, and to start playing off of it. And there's never a change up. And since there's not a change up, you know, the offensive line, every time they kick back, they're thinking twist and they're, they're in a, a good position for it. So I don't know. I, and, and that's something that they're, they're probably going to be comfortable with that and roll, roll with it throughout. But I wish, I wish we would, you know, I wish we'd have, have some type of change up where we could go straight rush a little bit. Okay. So the, the, the lack of pass rush was surprising and frustrating, no doubt. What made you more upset? Defensive backs losing inside leverage in two man or the defense somehow not covering Deuce Vaughn in key situations? Yeah, it, it's frustrating. You know, there's there's a couple of, of things that you absolutely have to do. One of them is know your leverage, right? Just for people to realize whenever you're in man-to-man coverage and you have just one safety in the middle of the field, right, that's where your help is. So your leverage, everything is outside leverage, right? You want to force everything in to the middle safety. Right when you have two safeties, the safety's key to is to stay on the hash and then go to the outside. So whenever you're man-to-man coverage with two high safeties, you want inside leverage to force everything out to the safeties. If you have two high safeties and on the snap they're kicking back and getting wet, and a guy comes up, sticks you out, and then beats you to the inside of the field and beat your leverage on the inside, and they complete a pass, there's nobody there to help you until like 20 yards downfield. So you absolutely, no matter what, cannot get beat inside in two-man, and it happened to us several times. Um, That's frustrating. The other part is, you know, Deuce Vaughn is, he's their go-to guy. And whenever I, as a linebacker, either have him in man-to-man or I'm the flat defender, I have to be aware of my surroundings. If I've got another guy, a wide receiver that's close to the core, he's not there to 
you know, line up just right next to all the big guys for no reason. He is there to pick you because you're covering Deuce Vaughn. You have to be aware of those things. So, um, I don't know. I thought it was, I, I thought some of those things were just lacking, just overall awareness of what's going on, understanding my leverage and the defense of, of how to lose a guy. You know, a lot of times you're going to get beat, whether it's tackling or man to man coverage. You just have to know how to get beat. Like if I'm going to get beat, it has to be on this side of me, not in here. And I just, too many of those mistakes, man, it turns into big yards. Yeah, Grinch, you talked to Grinch right after the game, uh, just outside the locker room, and he he basically said that they are big believers in practice and some of their players are not. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he went into the media room and said the same thing to them. I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> okay. And one other thing he said, and you mentioned the issues in zone coverage. He said, basically, right now, zone coverage is a free play for the opponent. Yeah. He sounded like a very, very frustrated football coach because he was like, I assure you, we have someone that's supposed to be covering Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Well, he was, that's the, that's the most angry I've ever seen him for sure. The zone coverage stuff is really interesting to me. Um, we were not very good underneath. So there's two ways to run zone coverage. There is zone coverage where you, uh, you key the quarterback and you get to a landmark, right? So if you are a cover three call, you have four underneath guys. If you are a uh, landmark defense zone coverage, well, then your hook players get to like inside the hash or whatever their landmark is. Flat players are on top of the numbers. Depending on the formation, those landmarks change. And depending on where you are in the field, those landmarks change. But whenever you're that type of defense, you get to your landmark quickly, have eyes on the quarterback. As the quarterback looks to one side or the other, you move with the quarterback and obviously keep a little bit of relationship with the players in the zone. And then you break on the throw and rally to the throw. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is you pattern read. So if you're a flat defender, you relate to number one or two to one. If you're a hook defender, you relate to number three or you're, you're inside of number two week and you not only do you get to your landmark, but you read the patterns and know how to fit and your eyes, this time they're not on the quarterback, they're on the routes way more. And we're kind of lost in between those two, it looks like. We got guys backpedaling like they're getting to landmarks, but we're not moving at all whenever the quarterback is just like staring a guy down and he's doing this and he's about to throw it. We should everyone should be flying over there in zone coverage to go crack that dude that's about to catch it. And I feel like we're, we're, we're just kind of floating out there and, and not really, our zone isn't aggressive. It's just really loose and guys catch it underneath and they can turn up and, you know, we, we're not right there close to guys. Delarian Turner yell being out seemed, seemed significant. I know that, 
A lot of people have been trying to replace him for a while now. But that defense did not look as organized in the back end without 32 out there. No, they didn't. And, you know, they threw Mukes out there. I don't know what happened if someone got hurt, but Mukes goes out there. They hit a deep ball. You know, Pat Fields ended up having a a lot of tackles out there and made some nice plays. But, you know, first play of the game – is like a zone read with Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn shakes him and you know he's got he's unblocked in the backfield for a no gain or maybe even a one yard loss and it turns into a seven or eight yard run. I mean the the safety play was was not great. Turner Yale being back, cord like this is the game. Like there's one game that you wanted him to definitely play and it would have been this one because of all the formations and adjustments that were going on. So hopefully we get him back pretty quickly because all of a sudden we've gotten thin on the back end. You know, we, we have Harrington who's, I know he hadn't played, but he's gone. Uh, Cradell wasn't playing. So you got really thin really quickly in the back end. We need him back pronto. Yeah. Anything else defensively? You know, just, the, the frustration is last week, whenever you were talking about the offensive line and the offense in general, you talked about a frustrating lack of attention to detail. And I feel like you could apply that exact same statement to the defensive players against Kansas State. Yep. I, I will say, I think you and I both – have all the respect in the world for Skylar Thompson. Dude was playing about 50% probably. That leg was probably about 50%. He looked okay early until he had to chase down Benito on that fumble. That, that messed him up. And I mean, that dude battled all. So all the credit in the world to him, uh, to that offensive line, the way that they protected him, I will say they knew he couldn't move. And, I can tell you one thing. That offensive line cares about Skylar Thompson. Yeah. Because they didn't let anyone touch him. They battled their ass off for that guy. And I know it was against OU, but it was was pretty cool to watch. Guys play with that much effort to make sure their quarterback didn't get touched because he was hurt. It was pretty cool to watch. No, it was. They that's a that's a gritty group now. Um they're they're tough, they're strong, they they move well. That center's a good player. Don't um, don't compliment that center. He made me feel old in warm ups. <laughs> I still can't believe it. Comes up to me. And I I had liked some of the stuff. So I go down, you know me, I go down and I creep on the other offense line. I like to watch them warm up, their footwork, you know, how do they do things, you know, when it, technique wise, just, you know, gathering information. And he walks right up to me, snaps the ball, walks right in. Hey man, you, uh, you gay biker. I was like, yeah. He's like, used to love watching you when I was a kid. I was like, um, thank you. Thanks, man. I have never felt older in my life. You said, you say you're still a kid, buddy. All right. He's been there. He's like a fifth or sixth year guy. He's old. So I was like, That's he couldn't funny. have been that young. Damn. That's hilarious. And then he went out there and played his ass off. I've never seen a center pull that much in a game. 
No, he they they pull him around the end, and he does some work on the outside too. Yeah, good. All right, let's get to the offense. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Congrats to Kyle Croak on winning this week's $25 game day gift card from Love's. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, drinks, and my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oakland with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Offensive performance against Kansas State. I won't lie. I, I'm not going to use the word aroused. I'm not. <laughs> uh, I, maybe excited is probably excited is the best way to put it. So I do want to start with the positives first, right? We just, a lot of, uh, not negativity, but just some fair criticism of how the defense played the running game. They ran variations of wide zone, outside zone, kind of mid mid zone, 20 plus times in that game. Mm -hmm. I counted them. And Ted, you know the Ron Swanson gif? from parks and recreation where he's got tears in his eyes and he's just like doing that subtle fist pump. Just like, yes, that was me on the sideline watching that. It was, it had such a flow and such a rhythm. It, it it just, it looked so much crisper just watching Lincoln Riley build plays. You know, it was, it was split zone. It was outside zone. You know, weak side, strong side, away from the bunch, to the bunch, and then boot game, play action, all off the same types of concepts. And the play action stuff and the boot stuff, it was clearly affecting the second and third level of the defense, which is the whole point of play action pass. So I almost cried. I was so happy. It was it was fun to watch. We'll get to the parts that can be better and have to be better moving forward. But overall, I thought that Lincoln Riley looked at his football team and said, okay, what can we do to put these guys in better positions to succeed? And I think that's what they did. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. You and I talked about the zone stuff quite a bit with them. And, you know, you've been, did I bring that up? You've been saying it from the beginning that you'd like to see more zone, and I like it too. 
because of the simplicity. It's it's easy. It's always the same. It doesn't matter what the front is. You can adjust to it really easily. Um, you can build it out of any formation, out of any personnel grouping, and the best part about it is the play action suits Spencer Rattler really well. It gets him outside of the pocket. It takes all of the onus off of your offensive line. Hard play action fake, hard zone fake, and then you boot out. He's on the edge. You can either protect him with an H-back or his protection is really the guy in the flat, right? You know, if, if they don't pay attention to the guy in the flat and they come up and pressure him, he just dumps it over their head. But, you know, some of the play action stuff we were doing before was great if you were hitting on the running stuff, but it's really difficult on the offensive line to set all of that up with pullers and, and all those different things. It's way more difficult. Zone and boot is easy. Teams have been doing it for 50 years. So um, I, I thought it was great. And I think they, they're probably going to look at it and say, this suits our football team way better right now. Only caveat is Kansas State wasn't prepared for it because we hadn't done a whole lot of that. We've done some onesie twosie things, but when now that we've done it a whole football game, Texas is going to be working on it all week. So it will be more difficult in the future. That but the point the the thing that makes and you know this better than anyone, Ted, but the thing that makes zone running schemes so hard to defend is it it, it kind of is up to where the running back wants to take it. That's that's what makes it difficult to defend. So that's why I complain so much about the gap schemes because it limits where you can run the football. I mean, you have guys leveraging blocks a certain way. It basically eliminates half the field sometimes. And with outside zone schemes, first of all, the defensive line, they have to read it. Then they have to react. Then they have to run their asses off to try to not get reached, to keep gap integrity. And the linebackers have to sort through all of that trash and all of the movement and all the motion. And it's hard to see the running back behind everyone. And then all of a sudden, the running back sticks his foot in the ground and cuts it all the way backside. And there's nobody there. All of a sudden, hey, he decides, hey, guard's got his guy reached. I'm keeping it front side on this one. And that linebacker who just gave up a gash run on the backside cut of all of a sudden, maybe I should hold back. Maybe. Should, oh, there it is out the gate front side. And you saw that from Kansas state's backers, the indecision that that play creates. And it just made me so happy. I yep. couldn't stop smiling. Yep. No, it, it, when ran well, it is incredibly difficult. Defensive linemen hate it. Um, because they're getting cut on the backside. They hate getting cut. You sit there, offensive lineman's running with them, trying to cut them off, and then they dive down, and you got bodies strewn all over the field. Um, you know, it's really hard on the edge guys. The edge guy has bend back, boot, and reverse, right? So they run outside zone away from you as a defensive end. You have to stay square to the line of scrimmage, and close the gap with this tackle and, and close it down, close it down, because if the back bends all the way back, you've got it. 
but you've also got the quarterback on the boot who after he hands it is given the boot action. It's like, where's the football going? It, it's just, it's incredibly difficult. Um, and they did a good job with it for not having it be a big, big part of what they do. You know, there's the science to it and teams that do it more and more get obviously get way better at it. Okay. So I'm going to stay positive for a second. I think the only people, and I, I talked to him about it after the game. I think the only people happier about all the zone than me were Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. I mean, man, that j- it just fits their skill set so much better. I, I won't lie. I was beyond elated to not see Kennedy Brooks in the backfield waiting and waiting and waiting to hit a hole. He was on his zone track, one cut, got vertical. And would you look at that? When he can play that way, he runs through people. And Eric Gray, the same thing, downhill, in space, one-on-one, making guys meet like it just, it just fits, man. <laughs> I mean, but I will say, I will, I will say something complimentary about the offensive line before we get to the overall performance. They played with a lot more velocity, ran off the ball, not all of them all the time, but it was much better. There wasn't a bunch of chopping their feet at the line of scrimmage. It was playing with velocity, making the defense react, making them get off blocks and find the running back in those zone schemes. And they they did some good things, but it's got to be a lot better. It's got to be a lot a lot better. Starting with Rain, he, hey, he one did quick some thing on the on the zone stuff. One more person that loves it, Demarco. The if this is like that, he he was a hell of a zone running back, and it fits like what he knows and how he played way better. So I'm sure that whenever they started talking about that, he was like, "All right, yeah, let's go." We had him on Coach's Corner a couple weeks ago, and I was like, dude, how do we not run outside zone? And he was just like, it's not up to me. It's not up to me. I was like, all right, man. But it was, I I think it's a good starting point. That's the best way to put it, right? They they ran different variations, ton of split zone, right, with Jeremiah Hall or Braden Willis coming back, cutting, you know, chopping down that backside defensive end. And they had a lot of success running that stuff, but they got to get better. So Andrew Rain, some better things. The zone scheme definitely suits him better than the gap scheme stuff. Allows him to use his athleticism. It kind of minimizes his weakness, which I think right now is just overall strength. Now, he still got his ass kicked on some plays. I mean, it's going to happen, right? Especially if you're flying off the ball, sometimes guy makes a sudden move like, uh uh-oh. But there are some things he can fix. He, he's using his head too much in blocks. He's lunging too much, and it's it's making him susceptible of being pulled, not only in pass protection, but also in the run blocking game. He's getting too top heavy, and that is, that's something he's got to change, or else he's going to continue to end up on his face and on the ground way too much. He's got to be better, IDing where the offensive line is working. There were still entirely too many plays, even successful plays. And that's where, 
I think unless you know what you're looking at, and I'm not trying to say that to like disparage people, but if you don't really know offensive line play and how things should be targeted in certain schemes, like you can think, hey, they gained six yards or they gained seven yards. Some of those runs, they're gaining those yards in spite of the offensive line. They're going to the wrong guys, or they've got two different zone combinations going to the same guy. That can't happen. They have to fix that. But you got talented running backs that are still able to get yards because the scheme is tough on the defense. So uh, I will say there was too much confusion still, entirely too much confusion along the offensive line, not knowing the guys they're targeting in the split zone schemes, uh, especially that one was particular. Like they were pushing some things front side and the front side Garden tackle didn't necessarily know where they were working to. Were they working up to the force player? Sometimes they worked to the same front side backer. It was just kind of a mess. And they got to get that ironed out. But if he can, if he can continue to work on the communication, I think he's going to get some more confidence playing in this scheme because he's just better at it. Yeah. Well, hey, whenever, whenever they start running stuff that suits you a little bit more, it, it and there's some big nose guards in this uh, in this league. Baylor's got a gigantic one. Uh, we've been playing against some bigger defensive lines. It's nice to get those guys going lateral every now and then, and that that makes things a lot easier than just having to down block or anchor. And it's it's nice to be able to work some speed with those guys. Okay, Marquise Hayes. Man, I don't know what else to say. He's just not playing well at all for a veteran guy that is supposed to be an all big 12 player. He's just not, he's not playing well. And now I'll give him credit. He had one really sweet block on the shovel pass for the touchdown, put the guy on his back. It was great, but he's, he's struggling when it comes to IDing things, he he's struggling. He's he's struggling in a lot of the zone schemes. Just was looked slow. Looked like it was he was just laboring. I don't know if he's banged up or what, man. But he is he is not playing at the level that they anticipated him playing at. And for for the expectation that I had for him coming into this year. I would say he's close to playing terrible. Like it's from what I expected to where it's at. It's um, it, it's far off from what I expected. You think that, I, I mean, I, I don't know. He's, if he's healthy, do you think it comes from like the communication, not being what it, he's used to with Creed being there? Definitely. Definitely could be part. It, it's clear. Some some plays and just being kind of down there and being able to see the old line communicate like it's it's clear that sometimes obviously too many times the rest of the old line's not getting the call. So once again, that's on the center. So whatever it is, man, he's got he's got to figure it out. Got to figure. He's just got to play better. Left tackle is an issue. It's an issue. I don't know how else to put it other than that. Anton Harrison, he's such a frustrating player, man. I mean, 
he can look so good one snap and then so bad the next. Like he just he has zero consistency in his level of play. And that is that's about as frustrating as it gets along the offensive line. Like you cannot be a boom or bust player along the O-line. Like you have to be reliable and consistent. And I mean, he had to get benched in the game to remember that he needs to use his hands when he blocks. I mean, he was just out there throwing shoulders. I was like, what is happening? I mean, run game, he was just throwing shoulders, not using his hands. I mean, it wasn't blocking anyone. It was so, it was so odd. So then they bring in Wanya Morris and he, he did some nice things, but he is having an issue. I mean, it is clear teams are seeing it now on tape. Like people are just going to push pull him because I don't know if his core is not strong enough to resist the pull. A lot of people teach, hey, bring your feet when they pull you. But he's just – he he got push-pulled again, got gave up another sack. I think his biggest issue, he just is not violent at all. Like there is no violence in his game ever. It's just getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And you you have to play with more force than that to be a good offensive lineman. And he's just not doing that. So they put Harrison back in. (laughs) I mean, so it's just that they are searching for a left tackle that would like to play well. So if anyone has any suggestions, please, (laughs) because man, it's just. Are you shocked? We haven't seen. Because it sounded like through training camp that we might see Swenson at some spots. Like, I don't know where, guard, tackle, just as, like, that reliable player that you can put in. But we haven't seen him at all, I don't think. I I understand not playing Swenson at, at left tackle because down the line, right? You You got to think big picture, right? Down the line, when you play – good teams, or even like Texas week, right? This week, you know, they're going to have elite edge athletes and Swenson just, he, he can't handle elite edge athletes. I, I would have no problem plugging him in at left guard with the way that Hayes is playing. I would have no problem with that at all, but it's yeah. The left tackle situation. It's like, you're, you're playing Harrison thinking that, okay, more reps, he'll get better. He's an athletic guy. He'll thrive in the zone scheme. Dude, he wouldn't even come off the football. Like front side of outside zone. Like you got to run. You got to run off the ball. And it just, I did, for whatever reason, man, it's not clicking with the young guy. It's just not. So I, I don't know. I think it's going to continue to be a – Okay, let's see how Harrison is playing today, and we'll put Morris <laughs> in if he can't figure it out. I, I don't know, man. It's it's not where you want to be when it comes to the left tackle play. Right guard, solid. Chris Murray, another solid performance by him. You know, he had some head scratching busts in this game. Uh, some people point out a hold. Ted, it was actually not boot. It was an RPO, 
where Rattler's actually reading the nickel Sam. If he squeezes, he's throwing it in the flat to Willis. So the offensive line was block, blocking run. Now, did he hold the man around his neck? He absolutely <laughs> did. That 100% happened. But it wasn't on boot, at least. At least he was trying to block the run. But well, Good. That makes li- me feel better. Yeah, the little man is he's playing solid. I mean, he's playing, he's reliable. He's reliable. And then, which brings me to OU's best offensive lineman, who I think did not make the fan base very happy with some <laughs> of the penalties, pre snap penalties. Now, one of those was on Rain. He didn't snap the ball. You're going to, everyone was offsides. They just called Tyrese for it because. The center didn't snap the ball, but the unnecessary roughness that led to the kickoff return. Now the, you would say that, Hey, kickoff team, you got to cover better. You got to get Malik Knowles on the ground. It's, but there's no doubt that was a horrible penalty that put his team in a bad situation and, you know, put, put the game up for grabs when it never should have gotten to that point. That all being said, He's their best offensive lineman. He's playing the best. He's playing the most consistent. He's playing some good football, and he's playing out of position. I know. That's the the most amazing thing is. Tyrese Robinson is making himself money this year with the way he is playing tackle. Now, he's a guard, right? Everyone under the sun knows he's a guard. Mm -hmm. But showing the ability to play some tackle the way he's playing, playing at the level he's playing at. Now, I'm not saying he's playing at an all-American level or anything like that. He's not, but he's doing some really good things. Run game, pass game, playing with violence, playing hard, straining. He strains better than any other lineman they've got. And, yeah, he's going to make some mistakes, right? He lost his cool, had a lot to do. He was mad at one of his linemen, and he let let his emotions get the best of him, and Lincoln Riley laid into that dude. Oh, my God. I bet. But, but other than that, put that all aside, he's playing pretty good football. Yeah, and we didn't, at least I didn't expect him to play tackle until I remember whenever you said that they were moving him out to tackle. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Interesting, but yeah, to be able to bump out there whenever he does at whatever point move into guard, it's like, this is easy now moving, sliding in um, a little bit. So no, that's, it's impressive. We just, man, here's the thing. There was a time whenever we were good enough to get away with offensive linemen getting personal fouls every week. We just marched right through it like it didn't even happen. We are not that good of a football team right now that we can overcome those type of obstacles. One 15-yard penalty damn near cost us the football game because we gave up a kickoff return. If If they recover that onside kick, who knows? They're throwing into the end zone possibly to win the football game. So we just don't have that big of a margin for error right now. But I'm glad he's playing great. I didn't say great. I good. said pretty Nicely good. good. <laughs> I said pretty good, especially for a guard playing tackle. He's playing good. Him, I, him and Murray, man, they're solid. But center, left guard, 
left tackle. It's got to get better or this team will lose games. Bottom line. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that simple for me. But at least the quarterback played pretty good. And talked to Rattler after the game. And this was interesting, Ted. I, I, I asked him about the zone running game and the boots, the play actions off of it. And he said he actually went to Lincoln Riley last week and asked if they could incorporate some more uh, like play action bootleg, like zone play action schemes. And when he went to Lincoln to tell him that, Lincoln was like, hey, I think I'm going to put more uh, zone play action into the game. And it was just like mind melt type situation. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I thought that said a lot about Rattler. Like, hey, I, I think this will put me in a good position that he was he was comfortable enough to go to his head coach, play caller, and have that conversation. I thought that was that was solid. That's what you want. And yeah. it worked out, man. He looked really comfortable in those situations. He wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong, he wasn't perfect, but he played with some emotion. He played with some swag. He had energy on the field, on the sideline, talking noise to the crowd, fist pumping, jump passing, even though Mike Woods was wide open for a touchdown right behind (laughs) Jeremiah Hall. The jump pass was sweet, but the touchdown would have been way cooler. But I, we saw some good things in the passing game, and it looked a lot more rhythmic. I mean, Marvin Mims resurrected, right? And one thing for Rattler – He's got to continue to get better with his eyes. You, you're starting to point it out on the broadcast, Ted. He, he does stare guys down too often. And that's, that's the next step for him, uh, I think, is to be able to understand how to manipulate defenses with his eyes. If he can get to that point, man, this offense could be really fun to watch. But not bad. On the road, yeah. hostile environment, not bad. I thought it was one of the better games he's played. Agreed. Uh, I thought he was accurate, threw the ball well. I think getting him outside of the pocket on the boot stuff is good because that's what he was naturally wanting to do anyways, even whenever he was getting good protection. He was wanting to escape out just to have that clear field in front of him so he can get his eyes back downfield. Um, you know, the – the eyes and looking off safeties that's that's done from the pocket for the most part and the trust right now just isn't there with the offensive line for him to look off you know whenever you drop back to pass and you're you're looking over to your left side you know you're going backside but you're trying to draw that safety you're looking over here you're you've got to have a, a really high level of trust that your offensive line has your back and he doesn't have that right now. And rightfully so, but it's one of those things as a quarterback, it's like a wide receiver going over the middle. You know, you're going to get hit. You go catch the football anyways, quarterback, you know, you're going to get hit. You just, you've got to trust the offensive line, stand in there, look the safeties off, then come back and step into that throw, regardless if someone's going to be there or not, you got to have some trust out there, but all in all, I thought it I thought it was a good day for him, man. Yeah. Last thing, positive. Jeremiah Hall, kid's just a player, man. Mm-hmm. 
football player, H-back, whatever the hell you want to call him. The kid can play football. Showed some speed on the reverse out of the bunch set. I did not think he was going to get there. And he no. did. And he did. Uh, good execution by him and Rattler. A shovel pass. And uh, something people probably don't care about, they don't watch, but he was slicing dudes up in the split zone game, right? And one of the reasons, one of the one of the things that makes Jeremiah Hall a winning player for this team is, so you're running a bunch of split zone, right? And split zone, the, the fullback or H-back that is offset in the backfield goes backside to cut the end man on the line of scrimmage, and you're running zone away from it. So he comes and cuts the end man on the other side of the line of scrimmage to create a cutback lane for the split zone concept. And they were doing some things where they were taking some in, they were taking the end, they were gap exchanging it with the backside backer, Ted. So the end would come inside trying to cross the tackle's face. And that's normally Jeremiah Hall's guy. Well, he would recognize it and he would just insert right off it. Backside backer. Mm-hmm. Now, how many times did Oklahoma practice that look? Or how many times did he practice the tackle blocking out on split zone when he's not supposed to, and he just went and inserted on the backside backer anyways? Probably not a lot, but the kid knows football. And that's that's the type of stuff. That's the Those are the little things that can take a eight-yard gain and turn it into a 28-yard gain. He's just – I have, I have a – a big appreciation for what he does on the field for them and had some nice catches. Hope he's okay. Got hit right there just in, in that quad and like got a quad. He got one quad and like the, the other guy, like that, the guy's helmet hit his quad and his shoulder pad hit his other knee. And he didn't look like he was feeling very good after the game, but dude's tough as nails. So I, I'm sure he'll be good to go for Texas. I'll tell you right now, since most people, we don't, hardly see lead anymore iso like one of the biggest collisions in football now is the split zone where the fullback h back they could do it from a wing off of a tight end and come backside or they can do it back in the backfield in split backs come here and run the zone that way he's running there's usually about six or seven yards separation between him and the defensive end and that guy's always an animal the edge player is always a big, strong, physical dude, and that's tough duty. It's tough duty to have to do that. You know, it's like here it comes, right at you know, right at the thigh boards. You may catch a a knee to the top of the helmet. It's tough duty. It's a tough day, and he's a he's a hell of a player because he's great at that. And you know, whenever they run the boot, he just fakes like he's going to cut that guy, and then he goes to the flat, and he's the option there in the flat, and he's a great great receiver. That's what we call building plays off one another, Ted. Love to see it. Good stuff. Fantastic. Made me so happy. Okay, call your shot. Got a couple here, Ted. Um, this one comes from Brandon Carter. At BS Carter on Twitter says, missed turnover opportunities can be costly. Uh, We've got some DBs with lineman hands. <laughs> And Grinch was pissed about it in uh, in the post game. He was not. Uh, 
Grinch was just overall just angry, straight up yeah. angry. I understand it. Got to catch him, right? It. I mean, yeah. God. This one comes from Bryce Lawson on Twitter. He says, positive run game drives the pass game. Big improvement this week. Talked a lot about that. Negative. He uses a strong word here, Ted. He says, negative. Undisciplined play from all units. Yeah. That's a strong word. Here's the thing. There are three phases of football. Typically, you say we have to win at least two phases to win the game. We lost two phases and won the football game. We lost on defense and we lost on special teams and still managed to win the game. Rare. It is rare. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, it's still hot outside, so you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic Drive-In flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water. Or you can grab a Citrus Variety Pack or a Tropical Variety Pack. Find it at your local grocery store, convenience store, and liquor store Sonic Hard Seltzer. Okay, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Told ya. Baylor 14. I know it. Yep. Oklahoma State 24. I just trust that Oklahoma State defense, man, and they didn't let me down. Uh, OSU, yeah, they found their formula. Run the rock with Jalen Warren and play good defense. And maybe they just shouldn't throw it at all because Spencer <laughs> Sanders, I mean, he did he did Spencer Sanders things. I don't know how else to put it with that, but through the two bad interceptions, the third one wasn't necessarily his fault, but Baylor wasn't able to make him pay for turning the football over. Uh, they weren't able to turn any of Oklahoma State's turnovers into points. Baylor punted on its first eight possessions of the football game. Eight. Crazy. And other than the Abram Smith had the long touchdown run it, on that, it was like fourth and two, broke free, classic, classic scenario in football. And other than that run, Oklahoma State completely shut down Baylor's running game. And Baylor, coming into this game, once again, they played three cupcakes and then beat Iowa State last week. They were leading the conference in rushing. And Oklahoma State shut it 
down. I thought we saw some of Gary Bohannon's limitations as a passer in this one. Thought we saw what Baylor's offensive line really is in this one. And OSU's defense is just solid, man. Just so solid. And all of a sudden you look up, man. Oklahoma State's 5-0 football team, Ted. 12, ranked number 12 in the country, I believe. Look at Gundy. I know it. I know it. Hey, win in advance. Um, Losing the turnover battle, you typically don't win the game, but credit them. It was a tight one, 17-14. I was listening to it in the car on the uh, the drive home, and uh, they had a really nice drive late whenever they had to have it, were able to run the ball and went down and punched it in the end zone to, uh, to cap things off, had to do it on a fourth down. I think that was at a fourth and one late that they went for it, uh, and, and scored a touchdown on it was nice. So yeah, credit Oklahoma state. They, uh, they know where they're good right now. That's, that's defense and they play to that. I think you're right, man. It's, they need to limit Spencer Sanders because he's going to throw them into some bad situations. But, boy, Jalen Warren has come, I guess, not necessarily out of, out of nowhere, but, man, he's, he's, he's really good. Tough to bring down. And, um, yeah, Oklahoma State's going to be going to be tough. Honestly, the rest of the way out, the schedule is going to be tough. I've, I feel like we're going to be in a dogfight every single week. Heck, Tech looked uh, way better. Yeah, what the hell was that? Went to Morgantown and won? Don't know. Didn't see that Handily. coming. Won easily. Did not. Hey, congrats to our boy Matt Wells, but did not Needed it. Needed see it. that coming. 5-0. and oh, Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Look at you guys. Okay, on to Arkansas, Georgia. Woo. Did not go well. For the Hogs, uh, they got shut out. 37-0 in Athens. And Ted, it was the return of our boy Stetson. Yes. Stetson Bennett, the fourth. He didn't have to do much because Georgia, what's the best word to use? Georgia's offensive line assaulted Arkansas. And Georgia's defensive line assaulted Arkansas. Arkansas, it was an assault at the line of scrimmage. They ran it right at Arkansas, and all four of those backs from Georgia had success when they got the football. Arkansas, I mean, you go on the road, you can't get a punt blocked for a touchdown. I mean, what'd that make it, 21 to nothing? And Uh, Which, by the way, let me just say that that's the most casual punter I've ever seen for being basically in his own end zone on the road against the number two team in the country. Yeah, I, you would think he'd be short-stepping that sucker and getting it out of there. He's just chilling back there. Yeah, let's uh, maybe speed up the old op time on that one, <laughs> but it did take him. Now, that was walk-on, came flying through, blocked it. Nice classic. Play. That was cool. But the game was over in the first quarter. I mean, it was over. It was probably over when it was 14 to nothing. It was apparent very quickly that one team was massively better than the other. Yes. And Arkansas's I think, you know, Arkansas was was ranked really high, maybe 
they weren't as good as that ranking, but Arkansas is a good, solid football team. I believe that. We watched them beat A&M. That was not yep. a fluke. We watched them whoop Texas's ass. I just think George is the real, real deal. Yeah. Shane Beamer told us. I mean, yeah. he told us. <laughs> but the, damn, <laughs> they got five stars. They got a hundred five stars. I mean, he told us. But KJ Jefferson, he, he didn't look close to a hundred percent to me. It, I don't think it really even mattered. Just a dominant performance by Georgia. Back to back shutouts by Georgia's <laughs> defense. They were averaging 5.8 points a game given up, and somehow they've taken that number lower. <laughs> they are without doubt the best defense in the country, and that is – I will say this. They have to be better offensively because they're not going to be able to run the ball against Bama that way, even though I know what Florida did to Bama. I, I understand that when it comes to running the ball, but I just – I don't think they're going to be able to push Bama around the way that they pushed Arkansas around. Georgia has to get some better quarterback play or else they're not going to be able to win at all. But, damn, that defense is good, man. I mean, they got draft picks all over the place. Brutal. It's tough. Um, it, it honestly, I feel like number one and number two are – way ahead of the rest of college football how it feels it's i was i was laying in bed saturday night got home watched a bunch of the georgia game and i was like oh i'm not sure the sooners can block these guys and yeah. then I was like, you know what? But that's why they play the games, baby. Don't get that's that right. mentality in your head. I was like, I can't have that mentality. I can't have the, oh, we don't want to go to the playoff because we might get embarrassed. Oh, shut up. <laughs> go play the damn game. Stupid ass <laughs> mentality. You I start slapping yourself. Uh, last I night. just, I saw some OU fans talking about that on Twitter after like, oh, we don't want to go get embarrassed. It's like, dude, shut up. Go play the game. Go play the damn game. You can't be yep. the king of college football if you don't go knock the king off the throne. That's can't right. Loser-ass, right. soft-ass mentality some people walk around with every day <laughs> of their lives. Just get better, right? That's it. Gosh. Okay, Cincinnati. Yeah, hey, Ooh. I know this one made you happy. As sad as Arkansas getting rolled made you Cincinnati going to Notre Dame, knocking the Irish off 24-13. And it feels like the story of this game, uh, turnovers. Right, Jack Cohn's interception on the opening drive. Right, Notre Dame's got a good drive going. He throws a bad interception that takes takes points off the board for the Irish. Tyler Buckner comes in, throws an interception that leads to a Cincinnati touchdown. Chris Tyree fumbles the kickoff after that and basically hands Cincinnati a field goal. And, and once again, man, Notre Dame's offensive line struggled. It's it, it is it's so weird to see them struggle the way that they're struggling up front offensively. They it's just the could not with run. Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, we've been so dominant there for such a long time too. It's, it's hard to see us struggle as well. Yeah. And I, I will say this Notre Dame's offensive line is struggling a lot more. Yeah. I mean, they can't now that 
Also, Cincinnati's better than Kansas State, but you know, let's let's not dive into all that right now. But I did think Desmond Ritter, he played a solid game. He's good. Yeah. Right. Uh, Alec Pierce, big white boy, just some big plays. And I will say Ryan Kelly tried everything, right? Brought Drew Pine in the game, right? Brought the righty out of the bullpen, dead. And he gave them some life, a little bit of a spark, made it interesting in the fourth, but it, it was it's pretty evident. Cincinnati was just a better football team. That's kind of what we thought going into this one. And it, it I'll, did it seem like there was a, a ton of Cincinnati fans at that game? There was a whole lot of red in that stadium. There was. I, just the whole situation was weird. I, I just can't imagine there's ever been another time where Notre Dame was a top 10 football team and was an underdog at home to a non-Power 5 school. That's crazy. And then not only like not only did Cincy beat them, they covered easily and were threatening to run away with the thing uh, pretty early on. That, so that's a big-time win by Cincy. Just don't choke down the stretch. Just don't choke. The biggest win in school history? Got to be, right? It's got to be. Top 10 on the road, Notre Dame. Yeah, that checks all the boxes. Luke Fickle. But one of my favorite things about, and who knows if he would want to want to be USC's next head coach. But my favorite thing is hearing, you know, people that are associated with USC or cover the Pac-12. It's like, ah, Luke Fickle's really not, he's he's really not a USC guy, you know? Oh, winning football games isn't cool. Team being tough as hell, defensively being physical as hell at the line of scrimmage, that's not cool. Nope. Not it's cool. About, he, he's not a USC guy. What the hell are you talking about? The dude is obviously a hell of a football coach. And and that's why that's why some places will never never be able to bounce back. Or uh I guess better said is don't deserve to bounce back whenever you look down at fantastic football coaches. I just I just don't know if he's could he be Hollywood enough for USC? Shut up. He's what do you an awesome think coach? Now that Cincinnati's coming to the Big 12, how much does that affect him staying at Cincinnati, you know, if if another decent offer comes up? Well, he – I mean, he's going to get a raise, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to use whatever job offer he gets, and he's going to get some big ones, you assume. He's going to use that as leverage to get a raise, and they're going to be bringing in more – a bigger – television distribution once they join the Big 12. We'll have more money to pay it. If I'm Cincinnati, I do what Iowa State has done with Matt Campbell. I give him whatever the hell he wants. Yep. Whatever Luke Fickle wants. Yep. Take it. I and, just wonder if I mean he's like an Ohio how, guy like Yeah. He's lived his whole life there. I I I I don't know, but I think Cincinnati is I think they'll get, they're going to get a boost going to the Big 12, and I think that's going to be a think it's going to be a pretty good job. And he, when OU and Texas are gone, Cincinnati can definitely compete in the Big 12. Definitely. I would expect them 
to come in and compete right away. Yep. I mean, they, you, depending on what their it looks roster, like, they be the favorite. <laughs> dude, right. they got the Majay Sanders guy, defensive lineman. I mean, that guy's, he's a dude. He's got, mm-hmm. they got players. They What? I think both corners are supposed to go in the first round or something like that. The Gardner kid, I know, is a stud. So it's, I mean, they got, they got players. Yep. And you're right. They're only, they're going to recruit better once they go to the Big 12. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati's going to be just fine. A team that was not just fine. Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss Rebels. Get your popcorn ready, ladies and gentlemen. This game's about to be over quick. He tossed the headset to the camera and everything. I, you, uh, you can go into a game confident, and I've got no problem with that. You need to go into a game confident. But you do not throw out a meme-worthy line in the pregame interview. You just you you keep everything closed. You just you just say keep it to coach speak. That's all you do. You do that line. He's he will now be known for that line. That's it. He'll be known for that. Get your popcorn ready. Did you see all the people doing like us? Oh, it's so funny. Internet always wins on stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to beat Bama, you've got to be able to convert fourth and one and fourth and twos. And I I didn't mind the calls at all. And I know that Kiffin said, hey, we're we're going by the analytics book. Hey, I, you if you can't get a yard or two, you don't deserve to beat the the best program in the entire country. And them not being able to convert in those situations gave Alabama short fields on a couple of those. Um, gave them a short field when Matt Corral got, you know, sack, strip, fumble, and it was 28 to nothing at halftime. <laughs> and Bryce Young was really solid, but this game was all about Ole Miss not being able to stop Bama's running game. I mean, Brian Robinson with a career day for the tide scored four touchdowns, uh, just a, a dominant performance from Nick Saban's team. They straight up bullied Ole Miss at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Corral was under pressure running for his life the whole night. Alabama got key stops on defense, ran the hell out of the football. Sound familiar? Brutal. Yeah. I hey, um I don't know if I don't know if Georgia's defense and Ole Miss's offense. Georgia's got the best defense in the country and Ole Miss had the number one offense in the country. I don't know if those two units put together could beat Alabama right now. They are I it was a good reminder. That because there, there's a lot of people around the country that are, are talking about, hey, this could be one of those weird years in college football. Maybe we get some new faces in the college football playoff. And I feel like this was Bama just saying, hey, guys, you're all f-ed. Yeah, there may be new people at the party, but the same person's going to win it. <laughs> you know, it's maybe just- a couple of new faces out there, but yeah. 
Alabama has not slowed down at all. It's crazy. Wild. I, I'm not sure they're going to lose a game. We'll see. Maybe, hey, it is a weird year. It is a weird year. I, it, it may not be that weird. I think a lot of other people are going to lose, but I don't know if they are. Yeah, you're right. I, uh, I have my doubts. Because their schedule's going to be a lot easier from this point on, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in uh, winners and losers. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft Rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's softrock.com slash OKC for more information. S-O-F-T-R-O-C.com slash OKC. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the Driveway Company slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? It's the easiest one I've ever had. Josh Heupel, first SEC win over Missouri. And my God, were there some offensive fireworks. Listen to this. Hooker, the quarterback, 15 of 19 with three touchdowns. They ran the ball on Missouri 458 yards rushing. Unbelievable. They put up a total 683 offensive yards. They were 60% on third down. No turnovers. Only had two penalties for 20 yards. Just about as clean of a football game as you could ever have. Nicely done, Josh. Nicely done. That was awesome. Is that a boy hype? That is... I... I remember seeing that score and being like, oh, oh, oh my. <laughs> yeah. Does, that a 92 yard run for a touchdown. That was, it was nice. I, I, I don't mean to diminish hype's first SEC win, big time, big time win. But should we have not, maybe not this beat down see this beat down coming, but maybe should we have known that something was coming after Missouri went to Boston college last week? He got beat. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, your first sec win is your first sec win. 
um, when you run the ball for nearly 500 yards on a on an opponent, that's big time. It, you know, Tennessee could have gone to Boston College and got beat in in recent times. That's how bad Tennessee has been. So, like that that is the type of game that can turn a football team around. Can kind of be like. Uh, a point where you look at it and say, that's where we got our, you know what together. So I don't know. I loved it. It was great. We uh, we're going to be a little torn next week. South Carolina at Tennessee. Beamer V Heupel. Let's go. You cannot root against Shane Beamer. It's impossible. It's the best guy. It's the best guy ever. He's he's such a good guy, but I don't, they're going to have their hands full. That's going to be a fun game, though, man. Hey, um, I, I bet hype and those guys feel pretty good. They found something. They're going to build on it. So I was excited about Loved it. Yep. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, I thought about going with the Tennessee Titans. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know what happened in that football game. All of a sudden, Zach Wilson's uh, ripping bombs down the middle of the field. Uh, But Tennessee goes down to the Jets. Um, That's about as bad as it gets for a team that was, you know, coming into the season considered a team that could compete in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. And bad things can happen, I understand. You can drop some games here and there, but should not be losing to the Jets at this point in the season. it was a confusing game. I watched a lot of it because I still like watching Terry Luan. Um, Titans, 31st downs. Jets, 16. Titans had the ball for forty almost 41 minutes. Jets, 29 minutes. Titans did not turn the football over. They rushed for 177 yards. The Jets ran for 66. Big plays. It's one of those games where you're just like, wait, how did they lose? (laughs) I was like watching it on red zone. I was like, wait, how is this a game? I thought Henry's just running it right out. It was was confusing, but a great reminder. Any given Sunday in that league, man. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Thought about going with them, but ended up going with Clemson. Now they did just edge out Boston college, but have now dropped out of the top 25 for the first time since 2014. How about that, man? I'm telling you, um, I think those coordinators are going to be looking for looking for an exit, seeing if there's any head coaching jobs out there available. Could be wrong, but I don't know. I sense some things falling apart there in Clemson. Okay. I, I've been thinking about this, and I – know some other people have I'm sure have talked about it but things have gone so well there for such an impressive period of time right I mean they have they've had sustained excellence under Dabo what how do you think how do you think this affects their culture or whatever because like they have a bunch of guys that are going to play in the nfl like and they're three and two and there's what are they 
really going to be excited to play for the ACC championship? Like, is I, that's what I'm just wondering? Like, how how strong is the culture? Right, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. You don't find out until I guess you've got nothing to play for. Um, dude, they are they are in an absolute dogfight every single week, like a, like a, a seventeen to fourteen dogfight or lower. I mean, their defense is like top ten in the country right now because they're playing in such low scoring games. But man, it's it's I, I just I can't wait to see what happens with them. I I don't think there's any way they make it through the rest of the season without losing at least one more, maybe two more. And they've got an easy schedule. Yeah. I wonder if Dabo regrets not taking any transfers. Probably does. I don't know. He makes $9 million. Probably doesn't regret anything. That's true. It's a good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of the Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and, and that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it perfect. It make it the perfect bourbon to drink year round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and great bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. And OU Texas Weekend is almost here. And if you're looking for events, hotels, or transportation, the OU Club of Dallas has you covered. Visit OUClubOfDallas.com for all the details. The home for Sooner fans is the Renaissance Addison with rooms priced at only $187 a night. It's also the site for the Beat Texas Pep Rally on Friday night with exclusive appearances by the Pride of Oklahoma marching band, OU Cheer Squads, Boomer, and Sooner, and more. On Saturday, you can ride in style with police-escorted buses to the game. The OU Club of Dallas has been the go-to source for Beat Texas Weekend since the 1950s, and proceeds from the weekend fund OU scholarships. Check out OUClubOfDallas.com for these events before they sell out. Thought about going with Michigan for my winner of the weekend. Not Graham Mertz out of the game. Dominated the second half. Ended up smacking Wisconsin in Madison. First win in Madison since 2001 for the Wolverines. Wow. Got it done. 38-17. And all of a sudden, Michigan Wolverines, 5-0. Just, just, just saying. Are they for real? Are you buying it? <sighs> no, I don't. Kate McNamara. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of the same. And maybe I'm just conditioned over the years to not really pay much attention to, to Michigan, but they do look, I mean, they do look like a good solid all around football team. I wouldn't say that they're like, they're great anywhere, but they're running the ball good and, Oh no. Hutchinson kid at DN. He yeah. good. First rounder. Yep. Yep. He's uh he's a dude. 
Uh, also thought about going with the Cleveland Browns, the unofficial NFL team of the state of Oklahoma now. Uh, Baker, not as his, not at his best, but he really didn't have to do much. Ran it really well. Cleveland's defense is starting to look really, really solid. Held the Vikings to 65 yards rushing. Um, nice win for Cleveland. Wasn't pretty, but a nice win. But my winner of the weekend, man, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys. And that was a good game, fun game to watch between the Cowboys and Panthers. And up to this point for Dallas, it had been the Dak Prescott show, right? And don't get me wrong. Dak was awesome again. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, ran the show, was extremely efficient, showed some of the wiggle, getting out of the pocket, running again, taking off, picking up big chunks with his legs. I was like, okay, he's back. But the thing that, I think Cowboys fans should be excited about is the way they ran the ball in this game. Zeke Elliott in that zone running game, it got rolling, right? And Zeke's probably tired of people being like, well, should they play Tony Pollard more than Zeke? Uh, Turns out Zeke's still pretty good. Uh, Dallas rushed for 245 on that Panthers defense. That is a massive number in the NFL. And... I'm not sure there were some Sam Darnold. He's got wheels, man. There, there were some yeah. plays where. Well, he's, he's leading the, the league in rushing touchdowns. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can go, man. He's athletic. Pure unadulterated speed from Darnold. <laughs> but I'm not sure the Cowboys defense was ready for that, but they did sack him five times, pressured him a lot. Uh, Drayvon Diggs continues. I think he's got five interceptions now in four games. He's a beast. He's beast. he's playing really well, and he looks good in the single digit. Looks real good. He looks oh God. He looks long. His oh, arms yeah. look incredibly long. That's what corners look like when they play at Bama. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was locking down his teammate last week. Uh, former teammate. He's he's a dude now. It pains me to say it, but the Cowboys do look good, and I I think Dak looks looks really good. He looks gigantic to me. Like, he looks like a big dude. Looks like a linebacker playing quarterback. He is a big guy, but he is playing. I mean, he's playing the best football of his career right now. Now we'll see if they can sustain it. And of course, injuries always play a huge role in the NFL, but. Cowboys looking looking a little better than people thought they would be on defense. Offense looking solid. Offensive line, it's uh, it's looking like a good blend there for the Cowboys. Just saying. Mm-hmm. No, loser, I, I like it. Uh, loser of the weekend. Uh, thought about going with Urban Meyer. Um, what are you doing, dude? What are we doing? I'm confused by that whole situation. I think is that, everyone is. Is that and that's not a new picture, right? He's wearing Ohio State gear. I it seems new. It does. I believe he okay. went back. Uh so yeah. that was like like he was in Columbus for something. And- I cannot I'm not I did not dig enough. No matter what the circumstance, he's been married to his wife for a very long time. Yes. So, 
you know, not great. <laughs> not great, Urban. Um, it, don't you have to say innocent until proven guilty on that deal? Like, oh, she could have said, hey, will you take a picture with me? Takes the picture and then just puts that on there. Now, I tend to believe it, but, you know, I mean, all you have to do is make a statement, and I don't know. He's going to be defending himself on that. Isn't that the rumor about what went down at Florida? Something along those lines? I will say Urban, I I don't think Urban's got the best reputation. (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, that was a... He was trending on Twitter on a Saturday. I was like, that's weird. So I clicked on it. I was like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Just out in public. All right. I'll tell you what's funny. I saw like the meme of like people inserting the head, like different people's head on there. And I saw that like 50 times before I knew what the real picture was. (laughs) And then you were like, oh, oh, right. (laughs) Urban, what are you doing, man? But also thought about going with Florida. Congrats, Dan Mullen. I know you celebrated out gaining Kentucky uh, after the game, but uh, you lost the game. Congrats to Mark Stoops and the Wildcats on beating Florida. Winning and losing. That's how that's it it doesn't matter if you gain more yards than them, Dan. It's about winning and losing. And well, Kentucky won. What's wrong with him? I don't know, man. Some of the stuff he says, I'm like, what is he doing? He's weird, man. He is weird. I'm glad they got beat. You're, I think it's pretty well established that uh, you're not a big fan of Dan Mullen. No, I don't like, I don't like coaches that make excuses and act like idiots at press conference. Well, there you go. Not a Dan Mullen fan. Nope. But my loser of the weekend had to do it, Ted. Texas A and M. Oh, they, I mean, Texas A&M fans have been telling us, oh, when OU gets to the SEC, they're just, you guys aren't going to win. You're going to be terrible. You don't know what it's like in this league, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they were talking about Arkansas. I'm just guessing that they weren't talking about Mississippi State. They were making those statements. They've lost back-to-back games to Arkansas and Mississippi State. Ouch. In, in case you missed it, in case you were too distracted by all the other games on Saturday, Texas A&M got beat at Kyle Field 26-22 by Mike Leach's Mississippi State Bulldogs. And A&M's passing attack is just, ugh, it is just non-existent. Meanwhile, Will Rogers, which, first of all, awesome name. (laughs) Awesome name. I can't believe he didn't go to OU. Now, he may not have been good enough to go to OU, but awesome name. He threw it around the yard for, what, like 408. And the the Aggies could not cover Makai Polk. The best part of this was I caught the end of this game. Ted, A&M got the ball back on their own 11-yard line. There's two minutes and 27 seconds to go in the game. And everyone's like, yes, this is Zach Calzada's moment. 
He's going to take the Aggies on a game-winning drive. Here it comes. Texas A&M fans all excited. Here's the opportunity. Uh, first down, no. Second down, no. Third down, sack safety in the end zone. Uh, brutal. Got sacked for a safety instead of leading the old game-winning drive. I mean, you, you hate to see it. I saw the video of him walking off the field. Uh, halfway felt bad for the kid. Uh, Shell-shocked, to say the least. Yeah, not good. But at least they gave Jimbo that extension. Yeah, you're locked in. You can yeah. reserve that space on the trophy for another year. Yes. Yes, that's important. But so they, they've lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State. The good part, uh, the good, good part for Texas A&M is that they they won't play any more teams the remainder of the season that have, let's say, more talent than Arkansas and Mississippi State. They play Bama this week. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's not gonna get uh it's not gonna get better anytime soon. That is uh <laughs> I can't imagine. Now I will say it is it is in College Station, but I can't I can't imagine that's gonna go very well for Jimbo and the Aggies. I'll tell you what's cool. I saw this and I believe this is right. Mississippi State has four top 15 road wins in the history of their program. And Mike Leach has two of them. And he's only been there two years. That's pretty cool. The air raid. Hey, sometimes it's got its clunkers, but sometimes it's just clicking, man. They're, what, they're three and two, but they lost like two of their games by like two points apiece or something. So they're close. They're close to being a, a competitive football team. Obviously, on, on any given weekend, they can get it done, but nice to get a win down there at, uh, at A&M. Love it. Yeah, and was it the Memphis game? that Memphis. The one they lost, the, it was very controversial. Is that, am I thinking of the right one? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like, it was, they lost on some like, ridiculous play or something, right? It was like a punt return, right? Like the game should have been over. I don't know. I don't remember what yeah. it was, but it was weird. On that note, on that detailed, <laughs> very detailed recollection of ours, episode 152 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. OU Texas preview, Fozzie Whitaker, former long yeah. running back, will join us to preview the game. He's doing a lot of stuff for Longhorn Network, so he's around the team all the time. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.